much for that. If you have your Bibles, open your Bibles to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 10. We're going to look here at Romans chapter 10, verses 13 through 17. Also, if you are sitting on the far left, you have something you need to do. If you're on the far left of the pew, next to you should be a little packet of these right here. So, I think far left, so that's my right. If you're on the far left, so look down there on the end. You should see a little packet of little cards here called Who's Your One? You want to take one, or if maybe you have someone who's not here with you, maybe you need two, take one or two and pass them down. So let's do that at this point. If you're on the left, you want to pull out your packet. If you're sitting on the other end, make sure the person on the far end is doing their job. Take a card or two and pass it down. So that way, everybody here in the sanctuary should be holding one of these. Now, we should, we should have, we have hundreds of these, so everybody should have one. If you don't have one, look on the pew behind you, or there's still one from your neighbor or something like that. That way, everybody does have one, and we all have uh, your Who's Your One card. Does everybody have their card? <laughs> all right, wonderful. Hopefully, you have it. <clears throat> I want to explain these, what this is. We are in a church-wide campaign right now called Who's Your One. This is your card, your commitment card. What you will do is, if you look at your card, look on the back side of it. Let's say, for example, you're going to identify, we're about, if this is a 30-day commitment you're going to make. You're going to make a 30-day commitment of identifying and praying for someone who does not know Jesus. Let's, for example here, I'll pick on Ray Baskey. He's on second pew, he's smiling at me. Ray doesn't know the Lord. I work with him. He's an architect, and he, he's, he's just lost. He doesn't know Jesus. So raise my one. I'm, I, I see this guy every day at work, and I just know he, he, he doesn't go to church. I can just tell by the decisions he makes. He's not living according to Scripture. So what I'm going to do this week, I'm going to think about someone and raise my man, and I'm going to write here, Ray's name. And then this is perforated. This card. Then on the other side, I'm going to write Ray Vasquez on the other side. Next week, and we're actually going to do this in the next two weeks, I'm going to begin praying for Ray. Now, the Bible verses here is you've got, um, you've got your verses there. So day one, say, I, God lays in my heart today, Ray. So John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So I will pray this week, or today, day one, that Ray, his eyes are open to see Jesus as the truth, the life, and the way, that he will see Christ as the Messiah who he needs to get saved to trust in Jesus. So, what I will do is each day I will begin praying these scriptures for that person. So next week what we're going to do at church is we're going to have Commitment Sunday. We'll actually do it the next couple of weeks. We're going to have a big bin out front. and Because some of you might know somebody today that you're ready to write down. Some of you might need a whole week to start praying and thinking about it. So next week, this is a good bookmark. You can put it in your Bible. You can put it on the refrigerator. You can put it in the kitchen or put it on the mirror when you're getting ready. So it reminds you each the next 30 days to be praying for somebody. So next week, we will have a little, in the middle of the sermon, we'll have a commitment part where you're going to bring your name. You'll tear it off, and you'll bring this top part, and I'll drop Ray in the uh, bucket we'll have up front next week. And I'll invite some of the men, the deacons forward, and we're going to give these names to God. We want that bucket to be filled. Now, some of you say, Daniel, there's two or three people I need to know of. So some of you might need a few of these cards. You make sure we've got them at the Welcome Center. You just need to get all your cards you need. <clears throat> next couple of weeks, and we'll, we'll give these to God, and I'm going to pray over them. And we're going to trust. You're making a commitment, not to me, 
not to the who's your one campaign. You're making a commitment to God that you're going to pray for your name. For I'm going to pray for Ray Vasky for 30 days. This will lead you up to Easter. And you're praying these scripture verses for him to get saved, for him, for the person or her, whoever it is, for them to see Jesus this Easter season. Will you all join me in doing this? Will you take serious this campaign? These campaigns don't need to be, you know, I'm the only one doing it, me and Sherry, and maybe Ray. So we got three people. We don't want three names here. We want hundreds of names in our buckets that we're giving to God. And it's not just the one week. You need to, if you, you write their name there, you need to pray for that person for a month, for 30 days. And then you start looking, and I promise, I'll, I want to warn you, if you start doing this, and I start, you start praying for a lost person for 30 days, and you don't do that, you're praying scripture for that person, I promise you, God will answer that prayer. He will all of a sudden begin using you. Spiritual conversations will start coming up so you can tell that person, that name you're praying for every day, about Jesus. All right, that's your homework. Make sure you have one of these. If you need more, grab some more. We will be giving these out. We have to have them all over the church. When you come here, you're going to grab a commitment card and you start giving at least one person to God. Open your Bibles, Romans chapter 10. We're going to read some scripture here. And the goal of this message, what I want you to see, is to really understand. We, we come to church and we go to these events. And you hear sermons and Sunday school lessons. And we use the phrase, the gospel, all the time. But we need to know, what is the gospel? What does it mean? If I'm praying for Ray to get saved, and God wants me to communicate the gospel with him, what does that look like? So if you have your bulletin, you need to pull your bulletin insert out and follow along. There'll be an opportunity in a little bit to fill it out. We're going to answer that question. What is the gospel? Because we're, there's a problem today. Here's the problem we hope to solve. The problem is there's a missing gospel in a lot of church events, a lot of Christian worship, and a lot of the ministries that even believers do. What I mean by that is you can go out and you can serve the poor. You can go out and you can uh, be a great witness and do a lot of good deeds here in our community. But if we aren't communicating Jesus, we've really missed what's most important. It's great for folks to learn to read. It's great for people to be clothed and have food. It's wonderful for folks who are hurting to get help. But the most important thing folks need is Jesus. And we have to be able to make sure, okay, am I communicating what's going to change someone's life for an eternity? So that's our goal, to really understand what am I actually sharing when I tell someone about Jesus? Romans chapter 10, verse 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The gospel goes out to everyone. How then can they call on him they have not believed in? And how can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written... How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes 
from what is heard. And what is heard comes through the message about Christ. Many of us growing up in church, we remember Romans ten seventeen In the KJV, it says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Do you know today you were supposed to wear green? Today is St. Patrick's Day. If you don't have your green on, you need to get pinched, and you can go home and change this afternoon. Put your green on. I want to explain what St. Patrick's Day is, because the, the man of St. Patrick, in many ways, is lost in what St. Patrick's Day is all about. St. Patrick was a remarkable Christian missionary. St. Patrick lived in the 400s, so we're talking 1,600 years ago. This guy grew up in, in Britain, which in the area he's, he came from was in current-day Scotland. He was captured and became a slave in an island off Britain called Ireland. And they were barbarians. This is in the 400s. And the gospel had not gone to Ireland in the 400s. They were just, it was pagan worship. Well, he went there and he learned their language. And he was a slave for about seven years. Well, he learned the, their, the Irish language. Well, then he escaped and he went back to Britain. Well, he went there and God spoke to him in a dream and told St. Patrick that he needs to be a minister and to begin uh, learning the scriptures. So he learned his Bible. He learned what it meant to serve the Lord for about 15 years. And when he was in his 40s, early 40s, he felt God speaking to him in a dream. And this God told him in a dream, he says, you need to go back to Ireland. So he's a 40-year-old man, but he knew their language because he was a slave there. He had been captured. He was there for seven years. He went back to Ireland, left Britain, sailed across the sea there. He showed up, and he started telling the Irish people about Jesus. And he started planting churches. He started over 200 churches in Ireland. St. Patrick brought the gospel to Ireland. And Ireland became, in many ways, a very Christian nation after St. Patrick. Then it became Roman Catholic after that. But what happened was, this one man was instrumental in planting over 200 churches all across Ireland. Now, I've actually never been to Ireland, but I hear some of those churches are that where he was started, those locations in the very beginnings are still there attached to, to St. Patrick's name. Now... What's powerful about that is he passed away. He died, I believe it was on 460, and of course the date was March 17th. So he is the patron saint of Ireland. And he would use the, um, uh, it's not called the four-leaf clover, the, um, the three-leaf clover is called the shamrock to share about the Trinity. I know, I'm sure he's laughing. So that's, the why it's, that's why it's green, the shamrock. So that's why we, we wear green, to remember that. He obviously share about uh, the, uh, God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he would use nature to share gospel among, back then, they were barbarians. They did not know about the Lord. So what happened, though, is something that started is very pure about Christian missions. This man named St. Patrick, in many ways today, that message has been lost. What's happened is, it's been contaminated about becoming about green beer, parades, leprechauns, a pot of gold at the end of a rainbow, whatever it is what people do on St. Patrick's Day. But St. Patrick, I want you to know, 
St. Patrick was a Christian missionary to the Irish people, to Ireland, that had enslaved him. He went back there and he was very effective at witnessing to the island of, uh, or to Ireland there. Now, for St. Patrick, who was his one? His one was an entire island, and that was Ireland. He went to Ireland, the Irish people, to tell them about Jesus. Now, if Patrick can do it 1,600 years ago, we have to do it today. Jesus Christ wants me and you to identify and to get serious about sharing our faith. Look at, these, look at this scripture we just read. How then, verse 14, can they call on him they have not believed in? I bet St. Patrick's read these verses and said, those people, they don't know about the Lord in Ireland. How can they believe without hearing about him? Hearing about who? About Jesus. Unless you or I are instrumental in telling people about Jesus, they are lost and they're going to hell, church. They're going to a place of eternal punishment. Jesus Christ saves. That's it. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Our message that we have to do is we have to take the gospel, take the good news to people who do not have it. We say, well, Daniel, there's churches all over this place. You know, that back in, there were barbarians in Ireland 1,600 years ago, but if someone wants to go to church here, there's plenty of opportunities. Yesterday, we had the men's prayer breakfast. I loved our speaker. I want to tell you what he said. His name was Rusty, Rusty Parks. Rusty Parks taught wrestling for over about 30 years at Woodford County High School. He was even one state and national best wrestling coach of the year. Just fantastic guy. Rusty did not get saved. He was, what, 56 years old. Back, I think it was 2006. Probably in his upper 60s now. And now he works for FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And what FCA does is FCA goes into all the local area high schools here and tells the children, especially athletes, uses a platform of character and also communicates the gospel. And so what does this have to do with anything? He was telling us about Lexington area high schools. Dunbar High School is right there. Lafayette High School is right there. Rusty was telling, this guy's going on campus and bringing Bible study to the athletes there. A retired wrestling coach. 90% of Lexington area high schools, we're talking about public high schools in our city, Fayette County, the, the children, that means not, high schools 9th through 12th grade, 90%, he was telling us, of these kids do not go to church. That means this morning, if you look around, there's not probably not a lot of high schoolers because 90% do not go to church. So if I go to Dunbar High School tomorrow and I sit in a class, say I found a math class, and there's 30 students, say it's 11th grade math, and there's 30 students there, that meant if I went around and say, kids, how many of you, were in church yesterday. Of those 30, three of them were in church yesterday. Three out of 30 
high schoolers here in the so-called Bible Belt, here on the place that has a church on every corner, or or actually at church, actually in a youth group, actually go to a church. Lexington has become the new Ireland for St. Patrick. This city is lost. These children going to our area high schools are growing up apart from hearing sermons about taking the good news of Jesus to lost people. They're not reading their Bible this morning. They're doing other things. There's plenty of folks. There's plenty of ones all around us. Church, that's shocking. We are appreciative of men like Rusty Parks, who instead of saying, hey, they need to come to church, say, no, FCA, we're going to take the gospel into the schools, and we're going to go find these athletes who aren't coming to church, and we're going to tell them about Jesus. If they're not going to come here, we're going to go to you. That's how St. Patrick, that's his attitude. These folks in Ireland, I need to leave Great Britain and go across the ocean here and go find people who need barbarians who are lost and tell them about Jesus. When you get that passion, when you read this verse, and how can they believe without hearing about him? They've got to hear. Someone has to communicate and tell the gospel. And Jesus is asking Broadway Baptist, is it going to be you? Will you, will you be the one to take the good news, to begin praying? All I'm asking, all Jesus is asking, is you identify that one person. Say, I'm going to start praying for one person. Your children can do this. Your grandchildren can do this. Anyone can do this. If you can't pray for one person to get saved, what kind of spiritual life do you have? If you can't make a commitment to Jesus to begin leading and start praying, not leading, just start praying for one person to come to know Jesus. I mean, goodness, that's not much of a faith. That's not much of spiritual vitality in your life. You know, the Bible verse says here, in verse 15, And how can they preach unless they are sent? Do you know who sends you? God. The Scriptures, Jesus has sent you to Lexington. Jesus has sent you to our lost city. All missions starts right here. Feeding the poor, teaching children to read, giving money to clothes ministries and collecting canned food, that's great. But guys, if we aren't telling about Jesus, they're not, we can get people fed and then they just lost and they're going into our eternity without Christ. Jesus is warning us who's going to be the one to communicate the good news that He's the one who saves. That He's the one who who can certainly respond to gospel. Rusty, what happened? His story, he was telling yesterday. 56 years old. And he was at a church event. And he was hearing someone preach the gospel. And he looked around and thought, all these people here have a peace that I don't have. All these people have something that I'm missing. And he realized he was spiritually dead. He was spiritually empty. And he gave his life to Christ. And he says, I've wasted 56 years now. I'm now going to give my remaining years of being a soul winner, being someone who's going to lead other people to Jesus. 
we need an army of Rusties. Many of you have never in your life identified one person to begin praying for. One person to try to start sharing the good news. Look here in your, um, look here your little handout. These are up on the screen. When we share the gospel with someone, what are we communicating? So think about this. If we're, I'm going to tell someone about Jesus, what am I communicating? This is what I'm communicating. You're communicating that they are a sinner. Sin, because of what happened in Genesis chapter 3, the consequences of sin still remain today. That means in order for someone to get saved, their first step is they have to realize they're lost. There has to be a problem. And the problem is there's, they're, they're afar from God. And this is what you do. You're telling someone they're a sinner. Number two, you're telling them that they will stand before God in judgment. We will give an account before our life. And that's how Romans 14, 10 through 12, Jesus tells us we are actually revolting against him, against the Lord. No one, listen, no one is, no one is saved. We're all guilty before God. Without Christ, we're hopeless. So we will stand before God in judgment, and we're doomed. So this is the gospel, what I'm explaining. It's so important. So a sinner, judgment. So here's the, this is what Jesus did. Jesus died and rose again. This is what we celebrate at Easter, coming up next month. Why? To remove your penalty. We have a penalty, and that penalty is the consequences of our sin. Jesus died and was resurrected, so our penalty, the penalty is I'm a sinner, I'm guilty before God, he removed it. We don't save ourselves. We don't save other people. We're, there's no possible way, as good as you are, to go to heaven without Christ. Because there is a penalty against us. And Jesus came to remove that. And not only that, this is, this is the response if you confess him as Lord, look at this, he gives you new life. This is what it means to respond to Jesus. That's 1 John 1, 9. We respond to him, he gives us new life. So really, a good way, a summary here, this is a way to remember, how, how do I share the gospel? If I'm praying for someone, and I need to tell them about the Lord, sinner, judgment, Jesus response. There it is. They're a sinner. They're going to stand before God in judgment. Not only that, there's Jesus. He did it all. He died for them. And secondly, we're asking them to respond. How do you respond? That You ask them to bow their head and trust in Christ. He gives new life. Broadway Baptist Church, that is the gospel. That is what it means to tell someone about Jesus. They have to understand they're lost in order to get saved. They have to understand that they are guilty and stand in judgment against God before they get saved. They have to understand that they don't save themselves. Who saves? Who did all the work? Jesus did all the work on the cross and through an empty tomb. And not only that, they have to respond. If you don't respond to Jesus, you do not have new life. You, you do not receive that, <coughs> the blessing that he certainly gives. We are not asking people to go to church. That's not the gospel. You want to invite folks to church. But you walk through the invitation, you asking them, are you ready to give your life to Christ? Are you ready to get saved? Are you ready to place your faith in the Lord? It's not an invitation to church. One of the things we have to do, 
Many of you are saying, damn, I've never done this before. I've never prayed for a lost person to get saved. I've never, uh, I've never told someone about the good news. But this is, we have to repent of excuses because there's a lot of excuses we give. And I've got them up here on the board. Number one, we have, we have to repent of the truth that we have lost the habit of witnessing. We're losing the habit of witnessing. Many of you grew up, especially if you grew up in church, especially if you grew up in a Baptist church, you were, you were taught the Romans road to salvation. You were taught how to be a soul winner. You were taught how to go out on Monday night with the Grove ministry that Brother Hurd leads and knock on doors and invite folks to church. And you maybe used to do that, or maybe with our VBS outreach, folks that come to Bible school, we follow up and invite them here to church on Sunday. And there's that witnessing, there's the, the faith program. Maybe you went through something like that. But you th remember that, that was years and years ago. And you don't do that anymore. It's a sin not to be a witness. Acts 1.8, Jesus told, when he departed earth, he told his disciples and those watching him as he ascended into heaven, he says, you will be my witnesses. And if you're not, you're sinning against God. Some of you need to start and say, Lord, I have failed at being a witness to my Lord and Savior. Someone invested in me. If you're saved, someone invested you. They invited you to church. You were blessed to grow up in a Christian church or a Christian family. And someone was intentional about bringing you here or someone invited you here and you learned about the Lord. But now you're not doing it with others. Witnessing is a habit. What that means is when you see other people, somehow you want to work in the conversation about where they stand in their relationship with God. Do these people have Jesus as their Savior? And you're looking and praying for those opportunities. It's a habit. Once you get in the habit of witnessing, you continually do it. Number two, you need to recognize and repent of the failure to invite. The failure to invite is you're not just, you're not, many of you, maybe you can't be a witness. You're just not at that point yet. But anyone can invite someone to church. If they can't, say they don't want to come to church on Sunday, you invite them. We do so many events at this church, we can't keep up with them. There's something going on here. There's a million and one things going on at Broadway Baptist Church. And that's an opportunity for you to invite them to. Many of you are saying, well, what if I don't like Broadway Baptist Church? Invite them to another church. The point is, the, Jesus Christ wants us in the habit of inviting people to hear about and learn about him. When you meet someone who's lost, who's dead, who's spiritually far from God, you should invite them to something at this church or another church somewhere that they hear about Jesus. Invite them to read their Bible. I mean, anything. Somehow insert in the conversation Jesus Christ in the gospel. And the truth is, we don't do it. For We talk about everything else except the priority of inviting people to church. Do you know that's how? That is the best way to get somebody to come to church. You a personal invite. Pick a place. I'll meet you outside the door. We'll meet in this parking place. I'll come by and pick you up. That way you're coming in together. Invite them to Sunday school. Personal invitations work. Number three, last thing. This is what we're... I want you to identify in this. Recognize and repent of excuses. Church not intent on reaching the lost. 
is Broadway Baptist Church serious about reaching lost? When you open up your bulletin and you see the things going on, are, we, are these events that reach lost people? Does the teaching you hear from the pulpit and in Sunday school and in Bible studies you attend in your discipleship groups, are they talking about reaching lost people? Do you know the average Southern Baptist church, each year for every one person it baptizes, it takes about 85 people. So let's say for our church, say three. 85 times 3, that's about how many folks are here. That means this year we should baptize three people. Three people. That's unfortunate. Now, we're, amen, we're grateful for those three people that gave their lives to Christ. But when we hear stuff like that, three people, that's the average Southern Baptist church. For every one person that gets baptized, it took 85 members who actually attend. So that means this year, in 2019, three people should be getting baptized. And that's the statistical average of where they are. Guys, we can be doing so much more. We have to say, this is, this, that's not very evangelistic. I want to be a part of a church. I hope you do too. That's a church that sees souls saved. Don't you want to see people who were once going to hell, meet Jesus, now they're going to heaven. That's a church I want to give my money to. That's a church that I want to be a part of. That's a church I want a family growing up in that's saying, hey, this is a church that sees lost people come to know the gospel. We have to repent as a church saying, you know, have we lost our way? Are we no longer reaching our city? Do you know what happens this coming Wednesday? Our church turned 67 years old. We were started by 25 people. We were a church plant from Porter Memorial Baptist Church. And we were started on Pike Road right here. It's where the Zaxby's drive-thru is. There was a house there. It's no longer there. But if you're at the drive-thru at Zaxby's, right down here on Broadway, that's when we're called Broadway Baptist Church, right there on Broadway, our church was started right there in the basement of a home by 25 people. I think we have two charter members left. Those 25 people had a vision because, remember, this was the old porter that was towards the city. It planted that area back there. Apparently, Pike Road in, in 1952 was the country. So they were coming out in the country. We were a country church back then, coming out in the city. And they said, those folks out there on Broadway, they don't have a church. We need to plant a new church here, a good Southern Baptist Bible-believing church to reach Broadway Road out there and the Pike Road area with the gospel. That vision of those 25 people continues, that started this coming Wednesday, 67 years ago, continues today. And the truth is, church, if we lose this mission of reaching people with Jesus, this church will go out of business. It will die away, as so many churches in America. Someone started something with the passion of saying, we're going to start reaching people in Lexington with the gospel and the good news. And when other priorities get in the way, you know what happens? Church dies out. We don't want to be a church that does that. We want to be a church that is intent on reaching the lost. I want to be a part. I want to pastor a church that's intent on reaching the lost. 
The vision that started with 25 people continues today, and it needs to continue another 67 years of a missional church here in Lexington. Here's, we're going to have our Lord's Supper here in a minute. I want you to look at this card. Day 1, John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one. Do you know of one person, one name, that is lost? Listen, this isn't something, this is between you and God. When you put them in their bucket next week, no one's going to look through them and say, oh, look, this is who Sherry's praying for. Oh, look. No. No one's going to look. Between you and the Lord, you're making a commitment to God to begin praying for one person. We're about to take our Lord's Supper. And during our Lord's Supper, obviously this is our time that we reflect spiritually of your relationship with the Lord, but I want you to be thinking about who your one is. These people, 90% of our, of our public high schools are not in church. They're lost. Unchurched. There's plenty of opportunity all around us. Jesus wants you, in this verse, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. If you want to have feet that are bringing the good news, the good news is Jesus, the gospel. You need to begin saying, Lord, send me. I'm available. I'm ready to go. I want to invite our deacons to come forward at this point. We're going to have the Lord's Supper, and it's your time to reflect on who your one is going to be.
And y'all may be seated. During the time of the Lord's Supper, um, this was taken there on the Thursday evening. And this is the Lord's Supper we do right before uh, Easter and Jesus' Passover with this. But what happened during the Lord's Supper here, Jesus took the bread, and the bread represents Jesus' body. Now, the Lord's Supper is for believers. So if we, ad- we take the Lord's Supper to identify that we are saved and that we're participating. Jesus gave his body on the cross for you, for me, for us. So we're saying, I'm a believer in Christ, and I identify with him. So that's what he did. He picked up the bread. He was there in the upper room with his disciples, and he picked up the bread, and he prayed over it. So we're going to pray over our bread. Lord, we thank you for this bread. We know this bread is symbolic of your body. You died on a cross on Good Friday so we could be saved. You died for the sins of all of humanity and all the world. And Lord, we thank you for your body. You stepped out of heaven and came for us. So ultimately, we can identify people who are lost and tell them about you. You are the bread of life, as John eight twelve says. Thank you for your body. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. During the Lord's Supper, after Jesus picked up the bread, he then picked up the cup. So at this point, we will serve the cup. The cup represents Jesus' blood. All right, deacons, y'all can stand up.
Emmanuel may be seated. <coughs> During the Lord's Supper, Jesus picked up the cup, and he explained that the cup represents his blood. This cup represents Jesus' blood that was shed on the cross. Why? So we could be forgiven. We are saved literally by the blood of Jesus. So when we participate, the Bible tells us in the book of Luke chapter 22 that we are to do this in remembrance of Jesus. So we are remembering Jesus' blood, the cost that he had to pay. We're identifying with Christ when we drink the cup and participate with the Lord's Supper. Jesus picked up the cup there in the upper room with his disciples, and he prayed over it. So let's pray over our cup. Lord, we know this cup here is symbolic of your blood, of your blood that was shed on the cross for us. Lord, by your blood, we are healed. We are forgiven. God, just remind us of the grace that you gave us 2,000 years ago. This Easter, as we celebrate and invite folks to church, it's just not any old event, Easter. Lord, it's the day the world changed so we could receive eternal life. We thank you for this cup. We thank you that you died for us. In Jesus' name we all pray. Amen. The Bible said with the disciples that after they had their, uh, their very first Lord's Supper there, that they sang a hymn. We're going to sing a hymn. Our hymn is also our hymn of invitation. This is your time to respond. Do you need to respond and make a decision, whether that's a decision to become a member of this church, to join Broadway Baptist? Or most importantly, a decision to follow Christ. Now is your time. I stand up front waiting for you to respond. So let's all stand together and we're going to sing our hymn of invitation. Have you been to the cross where the Lord Jesus suffered? Have you been to Calvary? 